You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Maps. Now, Onyx is a digital mapping app that you download directly to your phone, mobile device, and you can even use it on your desktop. But what is great about it, the functionality here, is that you can drop waypoints and you can mark tree stand locations. You can mark trail camera locations, scrapes, rubs, bedding areas. You can document all that. So it's like a living journal of your properties that you hunt. Now, what's great about this, it can be used on a small scale, let's say like a 40 acre farm, or like we did on our mule deer hunt out west, this 33,000 acre uh, big chunk of public ground. It can allow you to document everything that you've seen on there as well, glassing points where the mule deer were coming in and out and so much more. If you want to find out more about the functionality of Onyx, visit onyxmaps.com. And for first-time users, you can use the discount code NATION20 for 20% off. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back um, to Land and Legacy Podcast. Adam here. We've got a special treat for you this week. Two podcasts, like always. Matt's over on the other podcast, really talking about a property transformation, uh, prioritizing your projects um, with a client out of Kentucky. Really interesting conversation um, and storyline of what this landowner is doing to his place that hopefully uh, is something to inspire and and be relatable for the rest of you. But on this podcast, I'm going to sit down and just and discuss the hunting season so far and future hunting seasons with three of our clients. One out of so I've got two out of Missouri and then one out of South Carolina. Um, these are three guys that we have worked with in the past two years. And they've got different projects, totally different um, properties. One of them a little bit bigger, a couple of them. Um, one, one of the guys has um, his family owns several farms 
um, multi-use properties, and then the other one is a nice farm down in South Carolina. It's really a recreational farm uh, that's got some pine plantations and different things on it. Uh, so kind of a diverse, diverse mix here. Um, as you guys know, consulting is what we do. That's our main thing. That's our bread and butter. That's what this podcast is about, our consulting work. As, and, and how we look at the landscape and how we assist landowners across the country um, to improve their property. And so now we've been in 27 states. We've worked about 45,000 acres um, across the country. And this has all came in three years. And so we've been blessed with the ability to work with a lot of landowners. And that really comes down to... Our podcast being so popular with with everybody and and the information we share every single week that um, has allowed us to do all this. So we feel it's crucial, even though we're here, it's mid-November. We're kind of at the tail end of, I guess what you would say, a lot of guys would say the prime hunting, because I think so many of us think of early to mid-November. Now we're kind of at the tail end of that. So some people, and we can see this by our emails um, that we have been getting daily from uh, people wanting to seek out consulting help. And um, so we're kind of shifting back. We're going to have, we've got a couple more stories for you guys, uh, hunting stories. We're going to continue to hunt, but really our focus, and we don't ever want to lose sight of that, is to improve our landscape. And so um, there's a lot of different ways. And so you'll hear, you know, and it really depends on where you're at in the country and what your landscape is, what your native landscape is, and what other, what species you have there currently uh, or are lacking. And so over on the other podcast this week, Matt and Heath really dive into the work they've done. But this one's kind of focused on hunting in relation to habitat improvements and, um, Man, I, I really struggle not to just say it bluntly, but I'm going to tell you guys, a lot of what we try to do uh, when we started Land and Legacy was look at the voices or look at the the people really trying to, who were kind of looked upon as the main guys in the, in the world of habitat and uh, in the world of land management and say, okay, what is good and then what is fluffed and we really try to hone in on just restoring native landscapes for the whole ecosystem, a very holistic mindset. Um, and so a lot of this, for for example, you'll hear us talk about bedding thickets on this um, podcast with a couple of clients, and you'll hear them talk about how they're firing up the chainsaws and really getting to work this winter. And that's not just beneficial to the deer, but that's beneficial to the forest, to the soil, to the water and air quality. Um, this landscape filled with solid closed canopy forest is not good for our environment. And so uh, even though these guys are coming at it from a, a mindset of going, boy, our hunting is getting so much better, I'm going to keep cutting cutting a chainsaw, keep in mind that there's so many other benefits to the fact that they're thinning their forest and uh, and overall improving the health of their forest. And diversifying their landscape. So if they have a, a large area 
of just straight closed canopy forest. There's going to be some TSI throughout that, but then there's going to be hot spots of bedding thickets uh, or temporary forest openings. And so all that combined, it's very motivating and it's very inspiring and very uh, appreciative of, of the work that our clients are doing across the country, how much land is being improved. Um, and with Mike, how many other people are getting to enjoy it? Um, I asked him the question about uh, some of his plantings or one of his big plantings, and you'll hear his explanation of what it's turned into. And that's something that to think of a deer hunter who's talking about the flowers that he's planted, the Forbes, um, is just one of those things that continue to keep Matt and I doing what we're doing because we absolutely love it. Uh, and it's these stories that inspire us and keep us doing it day in and day out and continuing to educate ourselves and researching and and doing all these things to make sure that we're in on the newest ideas newest research um, but always looking in our past to make sure that we're not doing anything that's away from what the landscape already should be Um, and that's one of the biggest problems we see uh, that landowners face is trying to make their land into something that it's not but uh this podcast i love it I, I really love these guys they're awesome people we stay in touch fairly often and uh to hear that they're having great seasons is uh is is just the cherry on top so um, we got mike cody and russell coming on so i hope you guys enjoy it and we'll get started all right guys um so first one up to bat is mr mike hinkle um, client of ours out of northern Missouri is his property. We worked there a few years ago. Um, he already had a lot of great stuff going, and we kind of piggybacked on that. And his um, hunting season thus far has been one for the books. Mike, thanks for coming yeah. on. Oh, thanks for having me, Adam. Yeah, so uh, give me a little bit of a rundown of how the season has progressed for you. Well, uh, it's been awesome in fact i'm uh, heading heading home now so um it started uh off with uh i harvested uh, antlerless deer this was my best hunt uh, i had my seven five and two-year-old grandchildren and a redneck with me and um so we only went out about uh, we'd go out about an hour before dark and take some snacks and just for them to be able to experience nature because they're city kids are from Dallas and uh, to be able to see turkeys and possums and squirrels and, and then having uh, be able to harvest a doe uh, that was just awesome with them there. So it was uh, the two year old was yelling at me to shoot and I'm trying to keep it quiet. And, <laughs> and once I, uh, once I shot the doe, I mean, it was hollering and screaming and you'd have thought I shot a booner. So, um, <laughs> but that was really just to be able to experience that with them was uh, the highlight of uh, my hunt. And then, cause we shot it about four thirty, So we had plenty of light to go track it and do the blood trailing and them help me retrieve it. So it started off uh, with that was the first one then we we took a few more does and then um uh my son-in-law uh got his first bow buck and it was a decent one so uh that was that was 
you know, doing the family thing was just awesome. And then after five days they left and I started on my hunt and, uh, uh, I had been, had a pretty good idea of where the deer had been, uh, traveling. I'm running some cutties and, uh, so I'm getting email updates and I try to stay out of my areas and just rely on those. Yep. Um, so on the 12th, I harvested, a. uh, I'm pretty sure it's a four and a half year old eight and I've got camera pictures of him the last couple of years. So, um, and he's just like perfectly symmetrical. So, um, I was happy with that. And then, um, uh, yesterday morning gun season, I harvested, um, uh, a drop time buck and, um, I'm based on my picks, he's five and a half, but I, I send my teeth in and get the uh, cement to manuli. Yep. So I'll know for sure uh, where they're at. And, I'm, you know, my goal is to try to harvest mature bucks. I'm part of a co-op, and we classify mature as something that's four and a half or older. Okay. So um, we've got good cooperation amongst our neighbors, and we share some picks, and we try to judge, you know, what we think the age of the deer is based on our picks and history and sheds, and and that really helps out uh, – our age class harvest that is that is awesome so it's a qdma co-op um about how many acres does your co-op cover you know it's about three thousand. okay so i own uh 360 and there's about a dozen that it's about similar size landowners so um and it's just what makes it that location so good is because of those neighbors Mm. And we're actually able to do some things around age class structure that we would never be able to do as single landowners. Yeah. Uh, so really, uh, and we've been as a group been going probably about six years and we've definitely seen an improvement in our uh, harvest uh, age class of bucks. Very cool. Now, when you... Uh... When you start, I guess when we visited with you, when we toured mm-hmm. your property two years ago, you were getting yeah. ready to, we toured your place, I think it was late summer, if I remember correctly, and yeah. we, um, you were going into that winter and you were going to be planting what was crop into, a, I think it was an equip program and you were going to be planting several species of grasses, native grasses, but yeah, heavy so, on forbs. So. Yeah, so I had uh, 140 acres that had been a traditional row crop, and, um, you know, I always thought that was a great thing, but what I realized is after harvest, I ended up with almost half my farm as a desert, Yeah. and uh, I just really got tired of that, and they, it's actually a CRP program, a CP38, which is a, um, actually, it's a bird, emphasis on birds, but... Um, you know, I was able to replace probably 80% of my cash rent uh, revenue with this program. And the reason I have this farm is for recreation primarily. So um, you guys helped me lay out essentially a strategy of where I would place uh, food plots and um, blinds relative to other habitat work so i kind of got to start from a 
fresh, you know, a fresh start. And I wanted a different perspective on maybe what it should look like. And that's where you and Matt kind of helped me with that because as part of that, then I've got 30 acres of food plots within that uh, CRP that's, uh, that I have to plant. And then I just leave your, you know, leaving the food plots. And so, um, yeah, I started that and I've seen a big improvement in wildlife habitat that's that's staying there year round versus cleaning the table off every fall. Yeah, having deer during the summer and then it gets harvested with the combine right. and then you're left yeah. wondering where so, they went. You know, I, yeah, I've got native warm season grasses and about 15 forbs and then I've got some native grasses that I didn't plant that just have expressed themselves that have come up uh, ragweed, giant ragweed, big blue stem. And, um, I mean, there's deer in there now, uh, a lot more quail than I ever had. And this year was my first year to, uh, see pheasants. So, uh, which is, was really cool. Yes. I, I imagine that was, you know, that's kind of always been a thing for me at my farm is how are the quail? Cause I know if I have a healthy population of quail, I know the deer are doing even better. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a gauge on going, okay, are there many quail? Because if not, I'm going to do something to make it a little better. Um, and so I, I think that was the thing I was most excited about on your place because you'd already done some temporary forest openings or bedding thickets, as we call them, um, and you were already starting to do some edge feathering, but then you combine that with 100-plus acres of diverse natives, and it was going, this place is changing dramatically. And, you know, here we are two years later, and you just had – I don't know if you said it or not, but one of your best seasons, best seasons yeah. yet. No, it was my best, my best yet. To be able to get a, uh, you know, uh, this this drop time buck is gnarly. It has a lot of trash, and I've had pictures of him all year. And it's I'm, I know that, uh, and, and last year, and he consistently stayed in a fairly small area, and it certainly has to do with the uh, bedding cover and. Uh, primarily is that he felt secure there yeah. and um he was on my you know i probably went from having one or two target bucks uh four or five years ago to now more like four or five. Oh and, wow uh, so i'm real i feel real fortunate and blessed and i bought that place for hunting in 2008 uh and i've what I found out that I've spent way more time and really enjoy the habitat work is much or more than the hunting. Yeah. And, uh, funny how that just, works. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really, I feel blessed to be able to do, to be able to have that. Yes. Uh, I love that you're getting the, the grandchildren involved and the family involved, people who may not ever get to experience that, you're getting them involved with you up there at the farm. Um, I'm curious, how did this, so this was summer number two of the yeah. uh, of the mm. diverse native planting. Did you have right. many forbs in bloom yet? Yes. Um, oh, it was just beautiful this spring and summer. So, um, I mean, it looked like a wildflower well it was a wildflower field yeah so um you know my conditions were really great for planting i'd went uh two years of bean on bean so i had a great seed bed yeah. and uh it was super dry two years ago 
which really makes great for that kind of planning. And I, I rented a, a Great Plains drill. Yep. So, um, I mean, it was, it was, it went in real good and had great germination and had good first and second year growing conditions. So, uh, I've had it inspected uh, by the PLM and uh, our private land manager for the state of Missouri, and he said it was his be- his best second year stand that he's ever seen. So, well, you like to hear uh, that. Yeah, because I'll tell you the first the first year. And even the second year, I wasn't sure if I just planted a bunch of weeds or what. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but last year, seeing the Forbes uh, bloom and uh, seeing the wildlife in it was uh, was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I love to hear that you got quail. You've got your first pheasant encounters. It uh, sounds like you're right on track to having many more years of uh of enjoyment up there in northern Missouri, um, and I'm yeah. sure those grandkids are going to love making that a traditional trip. Well, I would say that probably the thing that is the most enjoyment, and this is kind of uh, my two my two daughters who are millennials, never hunted when they were younger, but now they want organic free range meat. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. That's great. Uh, as long as, you know, you participate and their children participate. So it's just, it's like a legacy and they get to experience something that was important to me when I was young. Yep. So that's, that's what's really the most gratifying for me. Fantastic. That's, it doesn't really matter what the attraction is or what gets the people out there, but as long as everybody's out there enjoying it. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Mike, can't thank you enough for coming on to the podcast and talking and telling your story and hopefully encouraging others of uh, of doing the habitat work and seeing it all change right in front of them. Uh, I'm curious, one last question. When you put the seed in the ground and you started this really stepping up and trying to really improve the habitat, did you anticipate to see the change this fast? You know, I didn't, I guess the answer would be no. I was very nervous about taking traditional row crops out and thinking, am I, am I, um, am I going to eliminate my wildlife? And to my surprise, it exponentially multiplied. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think that that first step is a little scary. We call it analysis paralysis. I just don't know if I'm ready to accept that big a change, but, uh, you did it, and now you're getting rewarded for it. So it's it's wonderful, um, and I hope I hope there's many other people that are listening that may step up to the plate and do it as well. Well, I'd encourage them. I've uh, I can testify that it works. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, and can't thank you enough for the friendship and uh, safe travels back to Texas. Okay, thanks. All right, guys. Next up is one of my. Uh, one of my favorite farms are farms and group of people to work with in uh, kind of central Missouri. We've worked with a bunch of these guys. They're all buddies. and uh, But we have Mr. Cody Crop on. Cody, how you doing today? I'm doing real fine. You know, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's the Sunday. It's the second day of Missouri firearm season. And we're sitting here in the afternoon, and I guess I'm kind of wondering, what in the heck? Are, why aren't you in a tree stand? 
Oh, I guess I don't hunt on Sundays. Oh, gotcha. Well, there you go. Um, don't hunt on Sundays, and so you're kind of taking the day off. But you guys have uh, – we've worked with several of uh, – with you and your brother and several of your buddies and cousins, and uh, I know one thing's for sure. You guys have definitely put the work in. Um, but I'm curious – this is the hunting podcast, so I'm curious – How's the hunting been for you guys this fall? It's it's been a lot better than it's been for for a long time as far as that goes. Gotcha. How is the uh you know, so to paint the picture for for you guys, this is of course the hunting, but we're going to talk a little bit about the habitat and how that correlates with the hunting. When we've when we've toured your guys' farms, as a whole, most of the farms were made up of closed canopy timber maybe some alfalfa or hay ground, maybe crop ground, uh, but not a whole lot of that in-between early successional woody stem, browse, young forest makeup on any of these farms. So uh, a lot of cedar cedar tree monocultures. Um, so you guys have basically, I don't know if I've, I, I could probably sum up in the number one tool for you and and the other, uh, your family that we've worked with has been the chainsaw. Is that correct? For sure. Okay, so For you sure. guys have got the chainsaws out. And uh, most of your closed canopy forest, uh, in years past, you've had a little bit of, uh, you've had deer, but mainly passing through. Um, yep. How's the, uh, this past winter, uh, we toured your farms, and you did started putting in bedding thickets, and uh, our temporary forest openings have you started seeing more deer living what you feel bedding and living on your properties i for sure have it's it's been a ton of more activity i've seen deer bed i mean i've seen deer go in there and bed with my own eyes and that that was something that you would have never saw like two years ago before i before all this started oh that's awesome how's it how's that uh changed your you know, it's November 17th. How's that changed for your rut activity? The rut activity has been, it's its as high on our place as that it's ever been before. I mean, we got a ton of does and and the bucks are really showing up because uh, those does are getting getting in heat. And, yeah. And we, we're having a ton of buck activity too. So basically your bedding thickets, for the most part, have uh, as a whole – you have a lot of doe family groups bedding in these areas, but then yes, as as the rut has started getting closer, um, does have become more receptive. Now you started having more and more bucks come into the farm because they're correlating those thickets with where receptive does could be. Is that yes. correct? Perfect. Yep. Perfect. So a lot of your hunting has uh, has been around uh, these bedding thickets or in conjunction with quality food with quality bedding. Yes, for gotcha. sure. So I mean, I, I'm at a, you know, Matt's over on the other podcast talking about all kinds of habitat with one of our clients over in Kentucky, but we're going to talk a little bit about habitat and the hunting. If you were to buy a new farm, Cody, would yeah. you, I'm curious, and, and there's no wrong answer, but I'm curious based on what you've seen now, if you were to buy a farm, would you, let's say you close sometime in the fall or winter, would your first activity, or even in spring, you shoot, I don't know, pick the time you close, 
would your first activity be going in and try to create bigger food plots or more food plots, or would you be firing up a chainsaw first? I would definitely fire up the chainsaw oh, first. Okay. Well, I, I, you know, as in past conversations we've had, I kind of anticipated you to say that, but uh, uh-huh. I've, I've said that as well to people. If I was to close on a farm, uh, I'd probably, I'd probably be cutting in bedding long before I'd be putting in food plots, and they kind of look at me a little funny, like, really? And yeah. I know you and a couple other your family members have all seen the change so much with the bedding thickets that you're going, man. These these things are the are some of the best things I've ever done for the farm, if not the best thing. It it's been for sure. I mean, I've 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 heard one of your podcasts. You were talking about Iowa. They the deer didn't hit the snow covered cornfields. They hit more the uh, browse and yes. browse and stuff. Yep and we cut a branch down and put corn right beside beside it. And you wouldn't believe this, but there was like two sets of tracks beside the corn, and there was a ton of tracks around that branch. No Just kidding. Eating the woody brows. It's it is crazy what you can do with a chainsaw. Man, that is phenomenal. That's a really good uh, observation there. I'm I'm actually gonna have to try that this. Uh, this winter too. I've never, I've never done that. And I don't even know of anybody that's ever done that. That's, that's really, really interesting. Um, so ha- overall, how is the hunting, how's the rut been in your neighborhood this fall? It's been, you know, gun season season started later and the yep. late bow, it's been real good. I mean, I'd say, I'd say I saw a ton of more buck activity, uh, as far as the last week of bow season that I did years prior to this one. Yep. So and, do, uh, do you feel like, you know, this year, there's always that kind of, let's just say, three weeks of November that you're looking at going, okay, usually gun season probably picks up sometime during the second week. And so you get that first week of bow season. First week of November is still bow season. Second week is gun season. Third mm-hmm. week is the is just after gun season um, or part part of gun season. Um, I had always lived by the, lived by the idea that probably the second week was the best time to hunt Missouri. And it seems like this year with deer season opening up on the 16th, um, we had those two weeks really of hunting bow season. And I thought, boy, gun season is going to fall a little bit later this year. It's all going to be fine. But doggone it, it seemed like in my area, Southern Missouri, the deer really picked up as soon as gun season hit. <laughs> it was like checking our cameras. It was like, oh, my goodness, they're chasing hardcore right now, and season opens tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this, it's kind of right now, I've noticed it's more in a lockdown phase. Okay, peak like, breeding. Yep. Yeah, peak breeding. Last week, it was a, you saw a lot more cruising than you did just this weekend, and, and gotcha. I think right now it's peak breeding, definitely. Ha. Huh. Okay. Well, there you have it. Um, how is the overall, uh, how's the overall opinion of deer season this year? You guys happy? Is it the best one ever? Are you guys having, uh, better than average? What would you guys say? It's definitely better than average. We've, uh, struggled, uh, quite a bit early. Yeah. I mean, we've been, we, we saw buck. We just didn't get in close enough to execute. So, I'm, it's a lot more human air involved. Yeah. But, yeah, as far as deer activity, 
we've seen a lot more this year. As I'd say as far as deer activity, this is one of our best seasons. Gotcha. Well, it has to be good when Brother Morris kills one, right? Yep, for sure. You know, yeah. uh, was this his first year really bow hunting? Yeah, yep. And he killed a – what did his, his deer score? Uh, I can't even remember. It's, it was close to 140. It had a big frame. Uh, oh, main very frame. Cool. Main the the main beam was busted off right in front of the G four and the G four was busted off too so that didn't help score but it was a mature deer awesome well Cody one last question what are the big habitat improvement projects that you're going to be making this next year to get ready for deer season of 2020 uh, I'm uh I got a couple more acres I need to cut as yep. far as just timber timber stand improvement then I'm going to burn uh one kind of area of my farm and uh see what that does for me awesome picking it up how's the uh not let's say not every other animal besides deer how are they doing the turkeys the quail rabbits have you seen any increases or noticed any increases in those animals as well i for sure did as far as the turkeys we we didn't have turkeys on our farm for at least five to ten years i mean almost as long as i can remember and this year i finally i finally saw turkeys which was a huge improvement from from earlier years ah when did they show up uh i'd say this spring i saw i started seeing more you know i cut last winter a lot yep and uh this spring this spring they showed up and they stayed there almost all summer and yeah, it's been it's been real nice to see that. Oh, that's super cool. Super cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Cody, and good luck the rest of the season. Hey, Adam, thanks for having me. All right, last one for the day, last one on the podcast. Uh, returning guest, this is his third podcast that he's been a part of. Um, I visited with these guys back last um, last late winter, early spring, and down in South Carolina, uh, then he came back on. One of them came back on in, I think it was August or September, to talk about the change they're already seeing. And so here we are. Russell, Kaiser, thanks for coming back. You're welcome, sir. Thank you for having me. And so, uh, um, you know, we're wanting to talk about some of your uh, hunting observations. Uh, you kind of got, you hit, got hit with a lot worse drought than I did. But yeah. I got hit with a lot earlier frost than you did. And so yeah. we're kind of both in that scenario going, man, could you imagine what would this have been like if we'd have gotten great fall food plots? Um, you guys down and a lot of guys in Georgia, South Carolina can attest to the severe drought you had from, no, oh, wh what was the span of that drought? I think we planted around August 26th, somewhere in there. We had like uh, four inches of rain. From a hurricane, yeah. Well, no, or, no, we never, we never got a hurricane. All that oh. was, you know, offshore. Gotcha. It was just kind of a, a stormy pattern there, and my house is, you know, it's twenty minutes from the farm, and we didn't even get any of this rain that we got at the farm, you know. So we had like three inches of rain. So we thought, you know, it's late August, we're gonna get some more in September. We're drilling, and uh, we planted everything, and we didn't get another drop for like two months. Oh man. Wow. Devastating. Yep. 
That is. I mean, it it all still come up, but I mean, we just we needed rain. We needed yeah. rain. It's it it's it's surviving, but not flourishing. Right. That's right. Not thriving. So. Soon as it soon as it come up to you know, I mean, the deer started killing it immediately, and I mean, we just didn't have we just didn't have the moisture to to produce more. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, set there dormant or set there just kind of yeah mediocre, and then you finally yep. get rain, but it had it had already taken a pounding from the deer brows. So yeah. you were one of the clients that sent me a picture of a utilization cage. Um, you know, usually you see differences in utilization cages, not so much in early early fall, uh, but more towards winter or even during the middle of the summer on soybeans you'll see big differences within a utilization cage versus outside. And you sent me one back in October, I think, uh, yeah. of a clear difference. <laughs> and it's kind of yeah. like, you know, so we talked on the past podcast uh, about the difference uh, in, in when I visited your farm and then all the work you guys have done since then, moving stands, putting in bedding thickets, um, expanding food plots, doing some edge kind of improving the edge invasive species control mm-hmm. you guys have done a lot in a short amount of time yeah. and so what does that look like compare past seasons to this season uh we see our deer a lot a lot faster uh now you know we're, we'll see last year probably an hour before dark you know, that's when you got ready because it's just going to slowly filter in you know right yeah. at, right in that prime time uh range there uh then compared to this year um and we see deer early it's 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 not uncommon in the evening you know i mean you better get there early because well saturday saturday evening you know we didn't have prime weather conditions but there was one particular doe uh and i got there about 2 30 she come out i watched her come out of the bedding thicket uh she come and browsed for 10 or 15 minutes then she went right back into that bedding thicket uh maybe an hour later she come right back again uh you know I, I don't i don't think without without those bedding tickets you know that we place strategic strategic say it for me adam <laughs> strategically <laughs> strategically yeah. around these areas that we hunt you know without that you know i don't i don't think that would happen you know and it was a doe saturday but i mean it could have been a you know 130 inch eight pointer you know if if if, if it's not there then you just don't know gotcha Man, but oh man. That, has, that has dramatically helped and that's, it's not just that stand you know it's it's all our stands and uh all the deer may not come out you know at once it may be one or two years there uh but they all they all filter straight out of those baby so tickets it sounds like oh really they're coming straight from yeah. them yeah oh that's awesome there'll be some stragglers you know here yeah. and there some travelers that come from different areas but yeah. for the most part the lump sum there was there was 14 does that come out of one bedding area Saturday evening. Yeah, that is insane. Yes, sir. Yeah, so it sounds like deer are bedding a lot closer to the food plots, so therefore yes. they don't have to, when they stand up from a bed, they don't have to travel nearly as far to That's right. get to um, to get to your to your be, uh, to your food plot or wherever it is you're hunting. Have you done much hunting? I know you've hunted very conservatively. Um, one of the big projects you had this, this fall was, um, removing does, uh, trying to get a overall feel for how many does you had on the property. Um, 
And so you've been trying to take your does out in a very conservative way of hunting the fringes and not getting real aggressive. Have you done many hunts inside the timber closer to the thickets? No, and I'm going to be honest with you. I have, I have not pushed and no. I probably should have pushed before now, but I, I have not pushed. I mean, we didn't start hunting mornings until probably the last week in October. Okay. Yeah. Good time to start hunting mornings. Did you We're, notice, um, like, I mean, uh, do you feel, cause you guys are running a lot of cameras. Do you feel like the bucks that are on your property, you guys are seeing them in food plots? Yes. Okay. Yes, they, so there's no need lot. to really push the envelope. No, no, they're, they're a lot more comfortable. I mean, they've kind of, they've kind of grown up around these food plots. Now these young bucks that we have, and they're, they're pretty comfortable. I know I sent you a video of one uh, Saturday night, as a matter of fact. I mean, he come, he, he wasn't that nervous. He was a little nervous because the wind was blowing so bad, but uh, he wasn't nervous about being in that field at all. You know, he come straight from the same bedding area that the does come. He come out into the field, wide open, looked at them, and then went on his merry way, you know. Mm, 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 mm. Well, that's good, I, and he's definitely a great buck, a, a great frame. He's going to be somebody one day if he makes it. I believe he is. Yeah, that's awesome. I know uh, there's been we got several of them on our farm. Unfortunately, I got a text today that one of them is no longer with us. He he took the fall during opening day of Missouri firearm season. <laughs> um, but it's kind of one of those things that you can do all the work, and then uh, a hot well, doe takes them out and drags yeah, them down you, into you a place. Can't, you can't sit in that stand and, and worry about the next man shooting him. You know, no. you know, not you just need to to stay on task. You know, and do. Do what your do what your plan calls for. If That's it calls right. for letting him walk to grow up, then just let him walk. If somebody yep. else kills him, yeah, I'm just I'm on to the him. next one. Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep. Um, and so, what kind of big projects you guys have planned this off season to improve your habitat and hunting? One thing I've noticed, and we just ran out of time this year, you know, but on we've got a good bit of bedding area on southern facing slopes. Yep. And on those cold days, they definitely come from, you know, the southern-facing slopes, the southern-facing bedding areas. I mean, yep. they're they're definitely in there. We know for a fact. But on those warmer days, we're, when they should be on a, on a northern-facing slope, we didn't we didn't do that many of those, and we should have. And I guess we just didn't we just didn't get to it, you know. But yep. on those on those warmer days, you know, you ask me where they come from, I'm gonna give you the fat finger because they're gonna come from everywhere. So we definitely need to improve. We need to improve that part of it. We need we need more bedding. We need bigger bedding, I believe. Yep. Uh, we're gonna try to you know improve our soil a little bit too. Uh, we're we're gonna plant some different summer crops this year. I don't think we're gonna hit the soybeans as hard as we've been because that the heritage from Stratton you know done so well in my area even with limited rain. Yeah. We're probably gonna do a lot more of it, and the deer gotcha. just they have just murdered that. Oh, very cool. Did you happen to plant any fall blends into what was heritage this summer? Uh, yes, we did. Uh, gotcha. Unfortunately, you broadcast areas, and no rain. Right, those yeah. areas didn't do as well. The rye, the the rye is flourishing now. You know. The, yeah. I mean, there, there's one area. I mean, it's it's pretty much dirt. You know, and dry yeah. dry milo stalks. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Um, so overall, how would you rate, uh, this, this rut, uh, for where you guys are at? Has it been better I, this year? I think worse? ours was a lot better. Uh, there was two weeks there that it was, it was pretty hardcore. And, uh, now I think 
we're probably in the lockdown phase or gotcha. so. Uh, waiting on those yearling does to come in heat now is what we're waiting on. Hmm. That'll gotcha. bring that should bring some bigger deer, mature deer back out. Yeah. Well, that's uh, the last guy just reported. He thought it was in lockdown phase as well. So. Yeah. Um, well, that's now, awesome. Now up here in, in North Carolina, you know, it's it's just the beginning. It's just it's pre rut. That's crazy. This twenty minutes down the road, you know, it's done happen. And yeah. up here, you know, I don't. I think it's still pre rut up here. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, man, uh, appreciate you coming on, sharing your experiences. One last question. Sure. Um, now that you've hunted with some bedding thickets and food plots in conjunction and correlation, if you were to buy a farm, just out of curiosity, and there is no wrong answer, if you were to buy a farm, would you go in and plant food plots first or clear out areas for food plots or try to focus on these bedding thickets and creating better cover? I would create, I would definitely create the better cover. Gotcha. I mean, the deer, they got to have, you know, security, water, and food. Yeah. If you, if you, if you have a property with water on it and you create a bedding area, you've created security and food, you know, and then you can work on more food. That's right. But you're not, you're not just creating, you know, a place for them to bed. You're also creating a lot of food in there too. I, I don't think people realize that. Yeah. Well, the last guy said the same thing and I, because I think a lot of times the first thing we want to do is lay out food plots and, and Absolutely. make the food plots. And, and we've all been guilty of it. But at the same time, it's like once you see the power of these of young forests, these these early successional bedding thickets with the mix of brambles and forbs and grasses and, and young forests and saplings, you're going, my goodness, those things are magical. Especially yeah. this time of the year when deer are, when it's our favorite time to hunt, it's like that's that's more attractive. Saturday morning, uh, some does that I seen on the edge of the bedding thicket, they were eating that woody browse Saturday, uh, Saturday morning. Yeah. I sure yeah. were. Awesome. Well, man, appreciate it, and good luck the rest of the season. You're quite welcome. Thank you. All right, guys. Um, those three guys are amazing people, hard workers. They're getting a lot done on their farms, and uh, I just – it's so refreshing to to meet with landowners who have a very holistic mindset, a very big picture mindset of how they're going to improve their farm. But at the same time, when they start this work, they see how much it benefits their hunting as well. So it's a practice. Um, I mean, with Mike planting the diverse uh, grassland mix, heavy on the forbs um, for quail and pheasants and already seeing pheasants on his place two years in and he'd never seen them in years past uh, on that farm you know it's just one of those things that is just uh, it's great for deer hunting but it's overall just great for the landscape and then you've got Cody and Russell who have really taken their timbered properties and improved it through running chainsaws just good old grit and elbow grease and um, ibuprofen for the back pain and just putting some trees on the ground which weren't probably beneficial trees. And working with them, we laid it out to where they're going in areas that don't have a lot of beneficial timber, and they're making it more beneficial to the wildlife by cutting that timber, dropping those trees, putting that food on the ground. And uh, just what a great story from Cody doing the comparison with um, whole corn versus uh, a tree on the ground that they had just cut and seeing the immediate draw to the tree versus the corn. And uh, it's just things like that that continue to go, well, duh, this makes sense. We've got, this is something that is a, a native species that deer have 
adapted to or evolved with over time of eating the young buds of these trees um, and these stick, the very tender ends of the of the limbs versus something that's not normally going to be in that sort of form as in a pile of corn on the ground. So um, one of those things, man, that we see this so much. I see it all the time. Um, I, of course, I love uh, social media and Instagram and several Facebook groups that I'm a member of to where guys make comments about what they think is the best form of habitat management or different things. And, you know, there's, it's one of those things that, um, you can see a lot through the, through the picture of the area that they're standing in. And I can't tell you, I I think one of the, there's so many things that are wrong with our landscape and how it's declining in uh, productiveness and declining in animal and insect species uh, in numbers because of the fact that we don't manage our property. And so if you own property, it's your responsibility to make it, continue to make it productive for the wildlife and find ways to where you can pay for the farm but still productive for the wildlife. And um, closed canopy forest is just one of those things we need to try to not have so much of it. Not If we have timber, it shouldn't all be closed canopy forest. So Russell and Cody are definitely dropping some trees and making their habitat better, and, and they're getting the um, benefits from the hunting side because of it. So, guys, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, you're going to start hearing us ramp up the habitat talks uh, in the in the coming months. Um, my gosh, we're booking up. We've got a lot of consults lined out throughout the the winter into the spring and into the summer of next year. So, uh, some big things coming soon. So be continuing to check in, check our social media pages and our YouTube channel. I've uh, been putting several videos on there, Land and Legacy. And uh, if you haven't already, please go leave us a review, five-star review on iTunes, uh, or leave us a recommendation on Facebook. We really appreciate it, guys. Oh, there's new hats coming soon. Um, I just released it, so we've got a waterfowl hat, uh, a couple wood ducks coming So a lot of stuff happening. Please just interact with us. It helps us, continues to keep us doing what we're doing so you guys can have access to uh, all the information we put out there, guys. So thanks again. Yeah.